Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. It is June 10th. I am David Gasper, joined as always by Matt Carroll, and we are the editors at ReviewingTheBrew.com. It's been a very busy week with the Brewers, so there's a lot to discuss for us. And joining us for that discussion this week is Adam Rigg, the man behind Brewer Nation. You can follow him at Twitter on Twitter at Brewer Nation. Adam, thanks so much, man, for uh, hopping on this week to talk to us. Absolutely. Always a pleasure. Uh, we had a good time last time, and hopefully this will be another uh, fine experience for all of us. Hopefully. And, I mean, we got the Brewers on a hot streak now. They have uh, they just won the series against the Cincinnati Reds on a little road trip out there. So uh, some good news. You know, the, they had a little five-game winning streak there. Uh, had it kind of broken up in the, in the Brett Anderson starting the series. But uh, things have been uh, going pretty well since Willie Adamas came in. The Brewers are, I believe, 14-3 and three or 14-4 and four or something like that since uh, he's arrived. And he's provided quite the spark for this team. Yeah, without question. Uh, I know that people want to give all the credit to Stearns. Um, I think Matt Arnold had a lot to do with this one personally. Uh, but yeah, Willie Adamas has been everything that you would hope for in a midseason acquisition. He's come in absolutely full of energy. Uh, I, I believe Craig Council turned him an energy giver uh, was the phrase that he used. But he, he absolutely seems to be that guy who just lights up the clubhouse. Uh, everybody, when he walks into the room, just seems to, to feed off of him. His youthful exuberance His I think he's, what, 25 years old, right? And he's already installed as a leader, uh, most guys say. So he's able to to project his own mood onto people, and it always seems to be one of positivity and just excitement for what he's doing. And that absolutely can have an effect. You know, sometimes people love to just dive into numbers and say, well, this guy's terrible, this guy's great, this guy needs to get replaced, et cetera. Uh, but sometimes there is that intangible factor of what a guy means to a clubhouse. I think the Brewers lost a little bit when Orlando Arcia left, only in the clubhouse side. Uh, he was not hitting, as we know, uh, and his defense was, you know, uh, trending downward the last couple of years. So I think they lost something there. I think they, when you lose a guy like Jesus Aguilar a couple of years ago, even Aaron Perez, these the glue guys in the clubhouse keep it light, keep it fun. Adamus is absolutely every bit of that and seems to be even more so. He's just a, a great fit for the, this clubhouse, a great fit for the culture that council has installed as manager. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's it's been a heck of a run since he showed up. And obviously it's not all because of him. Everybody else is starting to hit well. But some of that, you know, you can attribute to the fact that he comes in, raises the energy level. Uh, the team gets that jolt of, all right, well, Arias wasn't working out at shortstop. They go and they get us another shortstop. So let's go, boys. You know, some of that can be attributed there. So, yeah, it's been a really good addition. And hopefully he's the guy here for the next few years. Yeah, like you said, awesome addition to the clubhouse. But it sure does help that he's hitting, doesn't it? Sure does. <laughs> I mean, he's got his on-base percentage hovering up around uh, 40% just with the Brewers. Uh, and there were thoughts that, you know, once he got out of Tropicana Field, because you know, he did talk about how just he just was not quite seeing the ball there very well for his career and his splits showed it. So the thought was that maybe pulling him out of there will improve his hitting. And wow, has it so far. Now, that's coincided with quite a bit of an easier schedule for the Brewers. So maybe that's, you know, kind of some fortunate timing that's kind of helped him do that. But regardless, uh, 
dude just hits, gets on base no matter what, every game it seems like. So that has been a huge help in that sense. Also, uh, defensively, we now need to use Luis Urias in other parts of the field, which we'll get into uh, shortly, but nothing but positive with Adamas on the team. Absolutely love this guy. Yeah, it's really helped uh, shore up the left side of the infield there. And uh, the left side of the infield also took a, a bit of a beating the other night there as Travis Shaw went down with an injury, really ugly looking injury as he made a dive there at third base. Uh, then his shoulder popped out, uh, ended up going on the aisle here with a dislocated shoulder, uh, which I have not had one, but they do not sound fun. Uh, it really it really looked ugly, walked off the field gingerly. He was, he was down for a couple of minutes. And, I mean, Shaw wasn't hitting that well. Um, so you could look at, you know, possibility of making a change at third base anyways. But now with Shaw, now with Shaw being out for at least several weeks, um, it's you, you basically have to make some sort of an addition somewhere um, when, when it comes to, to third base, because I, I don't know if they have uh, what it takes currently to to address short or to address third base uh, effectively enough uh, to help this team down the stretch. Yeah, I think you're looking at right now uh, and, and council said it in his pregame comments on Thursday that you're looking at it's a hit to the depth uh, right now because I think if Colton Wong was healthy, then you'd have Luis Arias as your starting third baseman, and I'm sure he doesn't hit well enough for any of us to prefer that option. Uh, but it's really, you know, Vogelback is hitting better finally too. Uh, so as these guys kind of round into the form as maybe you would hope to, that they would be able to do for the balance of the summer, then maybe Arias at third is enough. Uh, but yeah, if they're going to add, that's the obvious spot, some kind of corner infield help. But if Vogelback can continue to hit, if they can supplement a right-handed partner for him, uh, at times he took Sean Doolittle deep on Thursday, Vogelback did, and that's a lefty-lefty matchup. So he's not completely clueless against left-handed pitching either. Uh, but yeah, they've got room to make the offense better. Uh, it's an easy spot when you have the uh, primary starter go down to do that. Um, it, it'd almost be the same thing in the outfield if you didn't have Jackie Bradley Jr. on the team. Uh, that'd be an easy spot to find some offense. Um, it is anyway with Jackie Bradley Jr. in there. But, uh, yeah, with, with Shaw going down, it's you, you hope to have enough, like I said, with the guys you currently have. With the Rios probably taking that job, even if they do bring somebody else in, unless it's some sort of – you know, Josh Donaldson level type player where, you know, that guy's going to come in and start every day. Um, maybe they'd be looking at this point just to supplement. I don't know. Uh, they're definitely going to use uh, we'll, we'll, how we've got six weeks, seven weeks before the, the trading deadline. So they're going to use this this chunk of time here, at least before the all-star break, I think, to evaluate what they've got. Let Wong come back healthy see how the offense performs and, and I think make that determination as to what level of guy they might need to go get. But yeah, they should add, in my opinion, they don't really have a, a glaring option that they should bring up from the minor leagues. Um, you know, if this was a couple of years from now, maybe Bryce Terang would be that guy. He'd be ready. Shifted Thomas the third, maybe Terang could play third, that kind of a thing. But for right now, between Robertson, who I like, I, I would be fine giving Robertson some extra time at third base, but between Robertson, Reyes, uh, Jace Peterson, none of these guys jump off the pages. Oh, my God, this is the guy you have to start. You're fine. 
and nobody at AAA right now is that guy. Like, I'd be fine if they brought Jake Hager up for a little bit, gave him a shot. Tim Lopes, bring him up, give him a shot, see what they can do. But none of those guys are big boppers. None of those guys are the traditional third base type bat that we've uh, come to know, especially in the National League. Yeah, I'm a little bummed because uh, my guy, Zach Green, definitely uh, has <laughs> fallen down to earth since his hot start down at Nashville. He has not looked good in the month of June. I was hoping they'd at least give him, you know, a look, you know, because at, at the very least, if you brought him up uh, and he didn't hit, you could just send him back down because he does have those minor league options left. But at this point, uh, that did not seem like it would be a great idea. Um, yeah, pretty glaring holes at first and third, unless... Uh, Vogelbach does have a little bit of an awakening after he hit uh, pretty decently well this, these last couple games. So, you know, it, it'd be nice to see him go on at least a l- little mini run and make us feel a little bit better about the first base position, um, especially since Hira is still trying to figure things out. Um, I don't know. I, I, I like the thought. Um, I'm glad to see a trade candidate like Eduardo Escobar has shaken off kind of his rough start and is now looking better. I think that's a name. Diamondbacks are not going to get back into contention at any point. They just fired their two hitting coaches today. So yeah, Darnell Coles. Yep. They fired yep. him, old friend. Yep, back out on the market. Um, but that goes to show you what Diamondbacks are like, and we saw that firsthand recently. So, you know, he might be available. Um, I, I don't know what resources the Brewers have to make too terribly many moves. Um, leading up to the trade deadline, but if they're going to make one, you know, corner infield's got to be under consideration, especially there at third base. So uh, I don't know. They'll, they'll patchwork it probably for now, and we'll see what direction they go. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say I think it's I think it's about what level of guy you you would want to go get. Mm-hmm. If you're talking to Trey Mancini, if you're talking to a Josh Donaldson, if you're talking to Eduardo Escobar you're probably dipping into the upper levels of your talent pool in the minor leagues right now. And I don't think that's something that they want to do at this point. Right. Yeah. I mean, they've got essentially a clear top seven prospect. So you got Mitchell, you got Terang, you got Hedbert, then you got small Ashby, Kelly and Mario Feliciano. Those are really kind of your top seven guys, pretty much anyone else below that. It's it's just kind of a mix of probably similar level talent. Um, so, you know, anything going from that top seven, it's going to have to be something legit. Um, and, yeah, I mean, for, you know, first and third basic corner infield spots are really going to kind of be a need. And, you know, as you were saying before, Adam, you know, with uh, Colton Wong being out, you know, that makes it a little bit more difficult in the meantime. The way council has been talking, it doesn't seem like Wong will be out too much longer. Um, so once Wong comes back, you can have Urias over there at third, uh, Wong at second, Adamas at short, and you can be fairly well set at those positions. I mean, Urias has been hitting a whole lot better in recent weeks, um, and he's got a very lively, very strong arm, so perhaps putting him a little bit further away would allow those high throws to come <laughs> down a little bit, get a little more gravity on him. So maybe maybe that's just his, his long-term home anyways for, for that type of arm that he has, and, and he's showing more power this year too. Yeah, I, he's he's really coming into his own, I think. I, they traded Orlando Arcia in part, they said, because they wanted to give the job to Arias a shortstop and let him not feel pressure, I guess is how a lot, a lot of mm-hmm. the writers even put it. I almost feel like that gave him more pressure because now he's like, oh, my God, they're counting on me. Here we go. I have to be the guy. And he struggled because of it. we saw him. He struggled defensively. He didn't hit great uh, while he was struggling defensively. 
And now that they brought in a guy like Adamas, who has that position on lockdown, now Arias is more comfortable. I think he's more relaxed. He's able to go to second, go to third, do what he needs to do defensively. He's been throwing better, too, I think, as a side effect. Um, but he seems to be coming into his own now. Somebody else put it on uh, Twitter the other day that that trade is starting to look better and better now that Arias doesn't have to be the shortstop. <laughs> this is the trade to San Diego. So, yeah, hopefully it's a sign of things to come for him that he's uh, really – he's still so young, so much potential. Probably got him in the first place. Uh, he, if he can develop into what they envisioned him in the first place, maybe not at shortstop, but you want to cover second base, third base, with a guy like that, be your primary shortstop backup. That's a valuable piece on the team. So, yeah, it's not going to be what Trent Grisham has meant to the Padres, uh, but he doesn't have to be that for the trade to still be an okay trade. Yeah, always important to remember, still young. We've got a lot of guys that we had to have patience with, uh, like Corbin Burns and Freddie Peralta, who is still young, um, but looking like he's living up to his potential, especially after uh, today's outing. Um yeah, he may just need a little bit of extra time. Um, Arcia, we thought we had given that extra time to, and he just never quite um, pulled that through. So let's see what Urias does do with this new, uh, very unique and maybe unexpected opportunity. Yeah, and he's been doing it pretty well so far. You know, like he, he's really started to, to hit a lot better, um, and, and his defense has been pretty strong. So that, that's really kind of been... Um, helping him out and helping the team out and, and getting these guys going. So that's what you really like to see. Um, but one guy that hasn't been able to get going uh, has been Keston Hira, as we're talking about the, the corner infield spots here. They brought Keston Hira back up, and it went about the same as what he did before uh, he went down. He, he didn't carry AAA over back to the big leagues. He just carried the big leagues over to the big leagues, and it was – it was not good. So now he goes back down. You got Vogelback in there a bit more often at first. And uh, Travis Shaw, uh, as we just kind of mentioned, no longer an option uh, at first base to even get some time there uh, for the next uh, four foreseeable futures, essentially. Uh, so what do you do with Keston here now? I mean, he's back down. Uh, Adam, how long do you think he's going to be down in AAA? Uh, and, and do you think he's going to come back and be... Uh, an effective big league hitter in 2021, not overall, but just this year, do you think Kesson here is going to come back and, and be effective for the Brewers? Sure. I think to answer your first question, I think that it's is probably a, a, an all-star break kind of target. Um, mm -hmm. Give him a significant amount of time. That's an easy uh, point of demarcation that you can call him back up. If he's looking good at that point, if you like where he's at, Gives him a target to shoot for that's not completely abstract, but, you know, middle of July, you know, just think about doing something then. So he's got some time here. He's got a few weeks to settle in, work on the mechanical changes that they've discussed a little bit with the leg kick and other things going on. Uh, and just really give himself a chance to cut down that strikeout rate, because that's what it is, in my opinion. And I'm no hitting coach. <laughs> Certainly, I'm no scout. But the, the biggest problem that it seems like to me watching on TV and from the stands is that there's stuff that is we would normally consider to be super fat, easy pitches on a tee sometimes, and he's just swinging right through them. Whether mm -hmm. it's late recognition or his bat path is terrible or he's just it, – maybe it is just part of the sticky stuff revolution and he's 
expecting the ball to be one spot and it's no, it's not at that spot. Whatever the combination of those factors is, he's not, he's not hitting the ball the way he should. It's not even that he's fouling off or he's on a pitch, but he's just missing it. He's whiffing completely. And that strikeout rate, somebody said, you know, he needs a strikeout rate to be in the 20s. And you don't necessarily need it to be in the 20s for him to be effective. What you need, though, is for the strikeouts to be the right kind of strikeouts, if that makes sense. You don't want him to be swinging through pitches center cut. You need him to be, if maybe he misreads a slider and he waves at something and he strikes out that way. Or maybe he's taking a close pitch and he strikes out that way. He's still going to strike out some. He's still going to do, that's always going to be part of his game. That's the way most hitters are today. But if you can get him to make more consistent, you know, barrel or even just any part of the bat, make more consistent contact, uh, the bat to ball skill has always been there for Hira. He's never really had to learn how to overcome a struggle. He's never really had to to do that in college for sure, where he hit well over 400 for his career. And then uh, even on his way up through the minors, he crushed in 2019. He crushed pretty much the whole time after a brief send down early. Uh, but he's pretty much always had success. So if it's a big mechanical change like the leg kick, if it's just working with his hands higher, hands lower, you know, however they decide to move him around, it's got to result in more contact. Even if it's worse, even if it's not great contact, it's got to be more contact for me. And then at that point, you got something to build on because. Yeah, like you said, right now, it's not working. Uh, The short break didn't help, uh, and he's got to figure something out. He's got to make a change. The league's adjusted uh, to a degree, but I think if it's his mechanics or his timing or whatever it is, he's also off right now. So if he can get back to being himself one way or the other, that's only going to be a benefit. And, And as far as if I think he can do it this year, I think he can. I think he's talented enough. I think he's smart enough. I think he's got enough natural and also, you know, work ethic type skills that he's built himself. Uh, I think he's capable of getting back to that point, to being an effective contributor. Um, but it is, it's going to, it's going to be a process at this, I think, right now. Um, and if he's able to contribute, great. If he's not, so be it. Hopefully you can reset for 2022. But I think he'll, I think he'll have the chance to get there for sure and be uh, a nice, Call it a deadline edition if you want to, but I think he'll have a chance to come back up and, and make an impact. Yeah, I agree with um, the uh, all-star game as a rough deadline for that. And I think the Brewers schedule is really what plays into it. I think previously they brought him back up because, you know, they were searching for offense and Kesson here had put together a really good run down in AAA. And so they decided to give it a shot. Now, the Brewers are playing all these terrible teams. Um, in June, they only play one series against a team with a winning record, and that's the Cubs at the very end of June. And then it's really not terrible either. Um, they have a three-gamer against the Mets early, and then it's all basically Pirates and Reds, um, and you know that's great for the Brewers. And then a series against the Royals until they face the White Sox on the 23rd. So that is a long time that the Brewers can probably get by beating up on some crappy pitching and let Hira just continue to kind of work things out in AAA. He'll have a lot of games at that point then to really get those mechanics in line, get them repetitive, make sure that he's seeing the ball that, you know, he's feeling ultimately comfortable before they start kind of coming into some games where they might end up needing his bat again. So I think they can get by without him for quite a bit of time. And I think that's exactly what ends up happening. 
Yeah, the the interesting thing with with Kira and Adam, you brought you mentioned this briefly. Uh, you talked about the the leg kick, and Craig Council kind of gave some comments on that when he sent Kira down, and that you know they may have to like have some conversations and talk about uh, that high leg kick and how it's really kind of um, been out of sync or, or something like you know he's got a very complicated load. You know he's got the toe tap and then a big leg kick uh, and then sets it down. And it's worked for him for the most part in his career. But, you know, when you have a complicated load like that, there's a very slim margin for error. And, you know, perhaps he's he's just out of sync enough that, you know, trying to get back into that perfect spot that he was for years before um, is, is very difficult to do. And if they do try to, like, change that, like if they try to tone down his leg kick or, or change his load, his timing mechanism – somehow that's a very risky thing to try to do mid season. Like that's something that seems very much like an off season adjustment to give you a whole bunch of time in the batting cage, you know, someplace else, not in a game situation to try to, to figure that out and try to get that into sync and into, into a rhythm. But if they're trying that now and they, they mentioned it, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know if they're actually going to be trying to change his leg kick down in triple a, but if you try to do that now, I mean, you're at risk of really just kind of making him completely unusable for the rest of this season. Yeah, it all seemed like the way it felt to me, and I've had a number of years to try to listen and be able to decipher council speak, uh, but it almost <laughs> sounded to me like that's they want that to be the last resort. Like mm-hmm. maybe we have to do something with the leg kick, uh, you know, if, if it comes to that. But yeah, what he here talked about early in his career uh, when he was just mashing everybody was, oh my God, Keston Hira, tell us about yourself. Hira mentioned that when he added the leg kick is really when he saw his power jump. Mm-hmm. So if if that's where he primarily get, you know gains benefit from it, I guess I, I don't know. Would we rather have? And maybe I'll, I'll put this question to you guys. Would you rather have? Keston Hira hitting 280 with doubles power, or would you rather have Keston Hira hitting 245 and hitting 25, you know, home runs after he comes back up? Like, what's what's the greater benefit for the team? Because I think it may come down to which type of Keston Hira do they get back if they if they mess with that leg kick. It could, like you said, David, it could be a, a significant change for him, uh, greatly affecting his. The way he's productive at the plate, whether he's productive at all, is you know besides the point. But if he comes up and he can hit again, if he's got his timing back, if he can make that contact he needs, you know what kind of contact is that going to be without that leg kick? Yeah, and what I mean, I mean, when it comes to to that, it, it also kind of depends on position because when he was at second base, it's like okay, you'll take the guy that's hitting two eighty, three hundred with maybe not as much power. But now that he's at first base, and that's likely to be his position going forward until the DH comes, then you may be looking more for the guy that's hitting 240, 245 with 25, 30-plus home runs. So that that's also where the positional value comes in. Because, I mean, they drafted him with the idea of him being a second baseman with a well-above-average bats with, with you know better power. But they drafted basically on the hit tool and to get a 300-type hitter in their lineup every single day. I think that was their plan all along and going to a guy that, you know, would hit 240, 250 with more homers, but less on base ability. 
I, I don't know if that's something that the Brewers, you know, had in mind with him or, I mean, maybe they'd have to just simply adjust, but um, I don't know if that's really kind of the path the Brewers seem to want to go down. Yeah, I, I think I, I'd be perfectly happy with him, you know, being that high 200s, 300 hitter, but sacrificing some of the power. But then do you need to reevaluate a little bit of how your team is constructed? Um, because you're you're kind of currently counting on him to be that power hitting one of those mm-hmm. power hitting run yeah. producers along with Yelich. If you don't have that anymore, then who's left? It's great that uh, Avi is kind of coming out and hitting a lot of homers this season, but that's not exactly you know what you planned for. And does he continue doing that throughout the season? Um, if things do end up changing with Hira, then where does your power come from? So, it, I mean, that's just one of the things to consider there. Yeah, I mean that's that, that that'd be a big change for David Stearns and how he constructs it. Because yeah, then you need a a right-handed power bat somewhere in this mm-hmm. line. The Brewers don't really have one outside of Hira and Avi. The, those are their their two guys, and Avi's supplying it right now, but Hira hasn't been, um, and they're depending on Hira to be doing that. And then of course Garcia's contract. Um, he has a club option for next year, and I mean, we'll see how they end up handling that situation with JBJ's player option for next year. And it's unlikely JBJ elects to go into free agency the way this year has been going through through June 10th so far. So then, are, are they going to keep four outfielders that are extremely highly paid for next year as well, especially with the way Tyrone Taylor has been playing? Um, then that just kind of leads to a whole different, you know, idea for for restructuring the roster. If you want Hira just as a power bat or or just as a as a hitter, and I mean that that's just kind of you know like we kind of like Adam mentioned here, the changing the the leg kick, changing the timing mechanism is kind of more of a last resort uh, as of right now, and hopefully they don't have to do that. They hopefully they can just get him back into sync with what he currently has. And that'll be a, a much quicker fix, but you know, it, it doesn't always work that way, but just really kind of the, the main thing for the Brewers is that they need Keston Hira to be back at what they were expecting him to be for them to, for their offense to reach their full potential. Yeah. 100%. It's, it's an easy guy to, I want to see as often as I can, the video highlights of Keston Hira when he gets his hits, his homers, down with the Nashville Sounds. I'd love to see all the video. I may have to uh, beg one of my friends who I know has the MILB TV package <laughs> to let me use his login or something. Uh, just so I can look at the highlights. But yeah, because I'm curious if they mess with it early, uh, if they mess with it a lot, if they're trying to, if they change them to a, just a swivel or a toe tap or whatever they try to do. Uh, it's one of the things I'm very curious to see how he progresses now that he's back down there. Yeah, and there's. Um... Another interesting player down there in AAA that I think we should be talking about, and that is Aaron Ashby, uh, who's down there, one of the crew's top pitching prospects. And manager Rick Sweet of the Nashville Sounds just recently announced this week that Ashby would be moving to the bullpen in preparation for a big league call-up. He's got a sub-three ERA, and I believe it was six starts for the Sounds. So he's pitching well there. Um, and it, this is really, Adam, just kind of following along the, the lines of Josh Hader and Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns. They're starters down in the minors. They convert them over to the bullpen to bring them up 
midseason to the big leagues in the bullpen. And then after that, um, the, the next year, move them to the rotation with the exception of Josh Hader, who they kept back there. Uh, and then uh, ju- just put them in the rotation going forward. And they still believe Ashby's future is in the rotation, um, but they're putting them in the bullpen now. And especially after the trades of Drew Rasmussen and J.P. Fireisen, where they're really kind of short on top flight arms in that bullpen, uh, it seems like the plan is for Ashby to come in and be that top flight, uh, multi-inning, high leverage arm uh, out of the bullpen. Yeah, it, it seems to be the plan. And we saw how well it worked with Corbin Burns. I think most recently he was just a house of fire every time he came out of the bullpen in his first season. It's a nice way to get a guy a taste of the big leagues. Um, and in a season like this where you've got expectations, you've got you know the desire and the chance to win, it's it's showing, or I guess it's telling, that they want to give Ashby this opportunity in this way. Uh, he can definitely affect the team. He, in his first appearance out of the bullpen, he had the first inning issues that happen all too often, especially with a guy who's coming out from being a starter trying to ramp up in a shorter amount of time to uh, come into a game. So that's the type of stuff. That's why you do it in the minor leagues. Like I said on Twitter the other day, that's why you do it in the minor leagues is that you can work out these things, figure out your routine, the way you need to get yourself ready. But yeah, he's, he's shown throughout his rapid ascent through the minor league system that he has a multi-pitch mix that works. He can get batters out. And again, coming from the left side where uh, Angel Perdomo has been okay, I guess, but now he's hurt. Hobie Milner has looked okay uh, now that he's back up this most recent time, but they don't, suitors obviously suitor, uh, but I think they'd prefer to have uh, a guy who can cover maybe the end of the sixth through the seventh inning, you know, give you an up and down if he has to uh, in a more of a leverage spot. Suitors has shown this year at least that he doesn't seem to be that guy, at least not in 2021, that it can you can count on in the seventh or eighth inning. That I think they want a lefty that they can put in there ahead of Hater to handle some of these teams that have that lefty hitting power. Uh, these these mashers that you know they need a guy in there that can cover that type of a, of a situation. And if Ashby has if he comes close to fulfilling his potential, uh, the potential we've all seen early as as followers of the minor leagues and followers of the the Brewers prospect uh, organization, then it's going to be a huge boost to this team. And again, it's the type of move that a guy comes up, you know, late July, mid August, whenever they're planning, whatever the target is, maybe even earlier than that. um, He could provide a a big lift to this team and give them some key innings. Yeah. They're going to need help in the rotation down the stretch. Uh, Not rotation. I'm sorry, bullpen. Um, (laughs) Any team with playoff aspirations needs to have a strong bullpen and the Brewers our bottom half of the league currently in both war and ERA for just relievers. Um, and so it's great that they think Ashby is accelerated enough where he will have a chance. We saw some of those filthy pitches in spring training. So um, the fact that he is knocking on the door is awesome. As a side note, I'm hoping a byproduct of this now that there is an empty rotation spot down in AAA is that Ethan Small maybe makes his move up to AAA he has shaken off a little bit of a rocky start uh, to now have a 2.60 ERA through six starts, which is solid. He's coming off a player of the week award himself. 
His walks are up quite a bit from what they were when he first broke through after he was drafted. So I'd like to see those down. Um, but back in the spring, Craig Council had said that there was a good chance that both Ashby and Small could potentially contribute late in the season. Now, Ashby is obviously more advanced than Small currently, um, but I, you know, I hope that he can make his way up there at some point. And then yeah, maybe you do, maybe you don't see him at the very end. Um, but that promotion could be fun to see. Regardless, I think it's awesome that Ashby is being compared to the, like you said, the Corbin Burns type move from 2018 in the past um, to come in and provide a little bit of a spark. And the good news is these guys are lefties. That yes. all these guys come up, they're all righties over the years, and now we finally got lefties coming through. Oh, it make it makes my heart so happy. <laughs> and they they found I was on this for years telling them they needed to get more left-handed pitching. Then they got Ashby. I'm like, oh hey, okay, great, cool. We finally got one there. And then 2019 draft, I'm like, oh, this is the best. Uh, so yeah, it's good to see them finally coming through. And Ashby, I mean he. You know, friend of the podcast, Aaron Ashby, when uh, we talked to him, you know, he's just kind of like, oh, you know, we'll see, you know, whether it's double A, triple A, you know, wherever it is I end up. And, you know, he ends up starting off in triple A in Nashville. And I mean, he's he's been doing incredibly great. Small uh, has been doing great down there in uh, in Biloxi. And I think it's been cool to, to see him down there, too, because he's the Mississippi native. So he's down there in Biloxi, Mississippi. Kind of gets uh, some more interest down there, I feel like, which is really cool. Um, sure. But, yeah, obviously the sooner you could get him uh, coming up, uh, I feel like that'd be great. And he might be maybe more of a September edition, whereas Ashby, I feel like, will probably be somewhere in July. I mean, uh, Josh Hader came up to make his uh, big league debut on June 10th. Uh, Corbin Burns came up for his debut on July 10th. Um, so considering um, they're just now, um, yeah, we're at, we're at the, what is it, four-year anniversary of uh, Josh Hader making his big league debut. Congratulations, Josh. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, they kind of gave each of those guys about like a month or so um, in the bullpen in AAA before calling them up. So I think we're probably going to be heading around early, mid-July for, for Aaron Ashby to to come up to the big leagues and be a big part of that uh, bullpen uh, down the stretch. So I, I think they're putting them in a, in a good spot. And, you know, as long as they can get that bullpen covered, I, I think they'll be pretty much fine. And that'll take away one less need at the trade deadline, too. Because if you look at it right now, they need help in the bullpen, and you need to get that at the trade deadline. But if Ashby is able to come up and fill that role in the A group in the bullpen – the need to trade for a reliever becomes much less, and then you can focus whatever trades that you want to make on first and third base. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you need, I think, probably two relievers uh, to, to join the upper half of the bullpen at this point. Um, and I think in a perfect world, either Brett Anderson gets better. He's not a good matchup to the Cincinnati Reds. I try not to hold his start this week against him. Um, but he needs to do better, uh, you know, between now and the trade deadline. Otherwise, he could be a guy that gets pushed into a long man role for the rest of the year. Uh, and then not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but in 2022, that rotation spot would look awfully nice next to Aaron Ashby's name as well. So. I don't know if uh, 
any of you guys have heard an update at all anytime recently, but we do also potentially at some time this year have a Justin Topa sighting. Maybe we could look mm. forward to that is an arm that has kind of, you know, been forgotten one that we were hoping to rely pretty heavily upon after the way he finished 2020. Um, right. But it's been kind of uh, radio silence on him since then. I know he was supposed to miss a significant portion, um, but you never know. That could be a very underrated uh, late season addition. Yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's someone that they're hoping for too, because they were mm-hmm. super excited about Topa. Um, and then yeah, I think he's supposed to miss like the first half of the season. So if you can get Topa back there in July, and he keeps on doing what the Brewers expect him to do, and you get Ashby back in there, I mean Ashby, Topa, Williams, Hater is a pretty good A group out in that bullpen. And, and Boxberger has stepped up this year. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you keep him in that mix too, and uh, he's been a really nice addition. So yeah, they they could have a a really nice everyday type of a bullpen because other, otherwise you know some like right now if they had five close victories in a row you'd probably be on that fifth day relying on some guys to try to get you to the finish line you're like uh maybe mm-hmm. so yeah. trevor yeah. richards uh <laughs> <laughs> really like to be able to, to count on you know if you've got hater three days in a row and you need williams for the ninth then you've got guys who can cover the seventh and the eighth you know, that, that's the ideal situation that you get into if, if you're pushing for a pennant, for sure. Yeah. And um, I just saw this uh, come across here from uh, Sophia Minert, uh, the very excellent reporting Sophia Minert, said that, you know, the Brewers won 14 in the last 18, and that Hotel California is blasting in the clubhouse. Uh, <laughs> so Manny Pena has the aux cord, um, or he has a karaoke microphone or something. So they are... They're having a good time down there if they got Hotel California going. Yeah. Oh, and do we need to be worried that day game after a night game against a righty, Narvaez didn't start? That, that perked my ears up on, on Thursday. I'm like, wait a minute. Uh, is this is there something wrong with Narvaez? But we'll see if it lingers tomorrow. Then maybe it, I can get concerned. It was last night that he took that pitch off the knee and was down for a little bit, right? Oh, yeah. So he could have just – hopefully it was just maybe some soreness still from that. Yeah, or maybe it's just we'll just give you a day and they just I mean Manny caught one, you know, right in between the legs on a foul okay. tip uh earlier today. That was that was not fun. Um I saw the replay and I, I cringed. Um <laughs> I, I immediately fun- just kinda curled myself up and it's like, ah, <laughs> no. I, I, I feel that for you, Manny. Uh no thank you. Uh yeah. So yeah, hopefully Narvaez, I'm I'm pretty sure he'll he'll be fine. Um but as we were kind of we were talking a little bit about uh, prospects uh, a little bit earlier there, as, as Adam, you were mentioning, you know, looking at the farm. How about Joe Gray Jr.? Can we talk about him for a few minutes? Joe Gray Jr. is on a rampage. He's hit, I think, like three triples within 24 hours. He's like he's been the low A player of the week for like two or three weeks running. And he's just he's just on fire down there. Yeah, he's the type of story that you love to see. In the minor leagues, a guy who was drafted nice and high. His year, I forget what year he was drafted. Uh, 2018, draft. second round. Yeah, so nice and high uh, in the second round, and a guy who struggled his first two professional years without mm-hmm. question. You know, hit under 200 both seasons, and this guy, okay, well, he's young, of course. You know, coming uh, in as a, as a teenager, and, and maybe this is a guy who just needs a little bit of time. And he took uh, the uh, 
the pandemic year, the off year, and uh, worked his ass off, if I can say that. And the results are being shown with the now low A Carolina Mudcats. Uh, he had uh, just he had so much expectation, I think, coming in, and he's starting to live up to that uh, potential. And that that what, why the Brewers drafted him in the second round. So to see him starting to, to come into it is is great. And the, like I said, the fact that he's worked so hard to get here, to get himself in a position to capitalize and, and to have the success, uh, that's what you like to see out of a player. You, you always want to see these guys putting in the putting in the work, putting in the effort, the time to, to make themselves better, to, to be better at their craft. And I love what the Carolina Mudcats social media team is doing. Mm. They changed their Twitter profile to, hey, Joe Great Jr. plays for us. Like they're doing a thing today with like the, I think it was the LeBron uh, side of the building, uh, black and white billboard thing. Like uh, it'll be Joe Gray Jr. soon. So yeah, this kid's having a monster start to his season, and you love to see it. I think this is one of the reasons why fans of the minor leagues were so excited for this to come back, is that you now get to have some of these awesome minor league stories kind of popping up. There's been a few guys in the A levels who were either you know struggled. And earlier and you kind of started paying attention to some other prospects over them or have kind of come out of nowhere. Um, Joe Gray Jr. being one of them. Uh, Hamilton with Wisconsin, mm-hmm. who apparently has 100 grade speed. 80 might not actually be enough for this guy. <laughs> um, and then I know one of David's favorites, Ernesto Martinez, has yes. come out just hitting bombs and looking good running around the bases afterwards. Like you get these guys just coming out of nowhere and creating these awesome social media highlights. And it's just fun. And it's just so great to have minor leagues back again so that we can see this kind of stuff. How can you not love Ernesto Martinez? The dude is (laughs) 6'6", 230. He can do the full splits. He's got like 10 stolen bases already. And he just hits dingers and just bat drops and just all the swagger and just hopping around after home runs. Like, how could you not love this guy? Like, he's just, uh, if he can just cut down on the strikeouts, yeah. that would be great. <laughs> same, I mean, same thing with Joe Gray, really, because he's also got a bunch of strikeouts. But if he could just cut down on that, just getting like the 25 to 30% strikeout range instead of the 30 to 35, I think he, got a, he possibly got a first baseman of the future there. Yeah, you're right. It's so many, so many stories, so many guys that you just love to root for. Uh, I mean, Tristan Lutz is a personal favorite of mine. I'm originally mm-hmm. from Texas, uh, so when he came in as a as a draft pick, uh, I got to chat with him a little bit uh, at the old Miller Park. And just some of these guys, you you love to see Peyton Henry. I interviewed for my podcast back when I was still doing that from time to time after the draft, especially at interview some of these guys. Uh, you know, make the phone call and whatever, uh, and talk to these guys about who they are, where they're coming from, that kind of a thing. So I've been a Peyton Henry mark for a number of years. So you see some of these guys starting to really come into their own and, and have this year after 2020 just being a mess and nobody being able to play. Well, hardly anybody being able to play uh, if you weren't at the alternate site. Uh, but you see some of the, like coming into this season, uh, a lot of people are ready to label Tristan Lutz as, as a bust. And the fact that he's able to, you know, start in double A, put some stuff together, have some success. I mean, it's all good things. It's all good feelings. And, uh, just not even for the players, but for the communities that minor league baseball supports. Just the fact that they're back at all, like you said, Matt, is just it's a tremendous thing. It's a tremendous feel just to have the minors there, uh, and, and not even just for the major league benefits of we can send Christian Yelich on a rehab assignment. We can, 
you know, this, that, and the other thing. It's just nice to have those guys playing baseball again. Gives us more to talk about, uh, you know, as, as, as bloggers and whatnot. But it's it's really nice just to, that they're there and that we can see these guys doing their thing and, and doing the, the job that they love. Yeah. And uh, as we we're kind of talking about there a little bit about uh, about first base and, and the potential future there um, and kind of transitioning back to the big league level here. Uh, one maybe potential first base option at the big league level. How about Ryan Braun? I know we've tried that experience a whole bunch of times before, and Ryan Braun is semi-retired. But this week, Ryan Braun's wife on Instagram posted two videos of Braun taking batting practice, taking some swings at a field out in California. And after one swing, he said, quote, I still got it. (laughs) So, Adam, Matt, if Ryan Braun has still got it, will he come back? Matt, you want to you want to jump in first on this one? <laughs> um, if if he comes back, I don't think it's going to be to play first base. All right, this is a guy who you know is taking his time, doing what's making him feel comfortable right now, and I don't think what's going to make him feel comfortable is coming back to play first base. Um, there have been plenty of injuries in the outfield, so there's still a chance that maybe they actually do you know need him out there, and you know I, I've had this hope in the very back of my head that he'd come back late as long as the Brewers were competitive, that he'd come back late for a playoff push or something like that. Um, but I think it'll be as an outfielder if it happens. That's a, that's a fair, a fair thought. Um, I would love to see it. Uh, I'm a big <laughs> Ryan Braun fan. Uh, shout out to the boys over at the other blog, hashtag Ryan Braun forever. Um, but I would, whether it's the right-handed power bat off the bench that we want uh whether it's subbing in a little bit at first base i don't care let him play shortstop like he's always wanted to do every now and then. <laughs> give, give, give the guy a chance have, have bat will hit right and yeah. that's a guy who can help the team out uh like i said late late pinch hit right-handed pop which you don't have right now on the brewers that would be great you know bring him in let him ramp up give him a, a, a tour in nashville let them you know soak it up for a, a couple of weeks get him back to Milwaukee, maybe even with roster expansions for all I care. I know they're not as big of roster expansions this year, but let him come up in September. Let him, you know, have a few key hits, make a couple of starts, get the proper send off from the fans. He never got if This would actually be his last year. Maybe let him get the itch and let him DH next season. If he wants to, too, if he wants to keep playing. <laughs> um, but no, like, like you guys said, he's, he's having fun with his kids. He's having fun being dad and, you know, husband and, and doing, you know, his, uh, California strong thing that he's involved in and, and all that stuff and, and all the more power to him. If he, if, they, if that was it, if 2020 is the last we get to see Ryan Braun in a Brewers uniform, I'll make my peace with it eventually. Um, <laughs> but no, if, if the guy, the guy's always been able to hit when he's healthy, right. And mm-hmm. he's healthy right now. And if he, if they wanted to bring him in and he wanted to come in, I would not be opposed to giving it a shot. Uh, I would also not be opposed to, if he was terrible, then okay, bye, buddy. Maybe it is time to retire. But I think the stroke looks good on Instagram. You can't mm-hmm. deny that. It looks like classic Ryan Braun. I would like to know who is pitching to him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so he's got somebody out there that he's working with. But, um, you know, we saw early in the, uh, I think it was February, March timeframe where he was working out with Yelich. Um, so, yeah, I guess it was before spring training. So maybe it would have been early February. We saw him, you know, pumping some iron with Yelich in a, in a little video clip. Uh, oh, I'm just staying in shape. 
and now all of a sudden he's just still got it on the baseball mm-hmm. field. So I don't know, it'd be a fun story. Um, but it's also the type of thing that I would only, I would think he would only want to come back if he felt he could contribute. And if Ryan Braun is in the right headspace that he thinks he can contribute, then I would guess that he is going to be able to contribute. Uh, there would be a spot for him, even in a National League situation, even without the DH, uh, even just being a, a bench guy, if that's what he would need to be, he'd be a big addition to the locker room presence, the the leadership, uh, the the veteran presence, as you know, we talk about uh, from time to time. But he'd be the type of guy to do that real easy, real nice fit with his team. Everybody already knows him for the most part, uh, and everybody obviously likes him in Milwaukee. So, yeah, it'd be a fun story for the fans, a fun story for the team. and. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, and as you kind of mentioned there, you know, that itch coming back. And and when he went to visit spring training uh, early this year and he talked to the media guys, you know, he was talking about, it's like, oh, you know, we'll see if I get that itch to come back. And, you know, I, I don't have the itch right now in February or March or whatever because he never liked playing in spring training. That that much was, was well known. <laughs> he did not He did not have the itch to play in February and March, but – now that the calendar's flipped to June, it's getting a little warmer out. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, things are starting to get a little bit itchy, you know, all, all around there. And, uh, you know, that, that could be another just like second half edition. It's like if you sign Braun, say at some point in July, and you know, it's like, okay, you got a couple weeks and he can come back up. You know, that's another thing. It's like, okay, maybe we don't need to trade for, you know, trade whatever prospects for someone at the deadline. You know, you got... Braun coming back as a as a hitter to kind of help out your bench depth and and your right-handed power bats, and you know if you get uh, Hira, um, all of a sudden figured things out in AAA, you get him at first base and, and he's back to what he was. Then all of a sudden that's not really a need at, at the deadline. And, and if Arias keeps on playing, then it's like oh well then maybe that's not as big of a need. So you know you, there are some options. Uh, for them to really kind of avoid having to make big moves at the deadline. But we'll have to see kind of, you know, where things go. And, and yeah, what what they do with Braun there. And, you know, if something happens relatively soon, whether he wants to come back in July or come back in August or not at all, you know, that that's something that uh, we'll kind of see play out. But if he's, you know, taking some some BP there, he may be getting that itch. And, he, and if he gets, you know, more of those swings where he's like, I still got it, you know, he's such a competitor. I feel like that, you know, if he feels that he still has it, he's going to want to come back and play. That's exactly. And Ryan Braun is exactly that kind of competitor. And if he's, like I said, if he's in the right headspace to want to contribute, then I think he would be able to. And that's what it would take is him having the desire and, you know, wanting to do it because, as mentioned a couple of times, he's happy with what he's doing right now, um, but he's a baseball player, you know, and he's got more swings in him, I think. And if he wants to have those swings be competitive and, and helping his team possibly reach and advance in the postseason, you know, again, if he's if he's physically capable of doing it, I don't see why anybody would have too big of an issue. They're not going to pay him millions of dollars they're not gonna start him every day in left field and sit yelich on the bench like there's there's no real negative to bringing braun in for a cameo appearance so long as he's again physically capable of doing the job if braun actually does come back we need to plan to have an entire 
podcast episode completely devoted to that. <laughs> you know that's what it's going to happen. It's all I need to get tickets. Like, like we need to know the yeah. date. And I need it like that. That game is going to sell out and probably the rest of them, the rest of the season. If he comes back, it's like, oh, Ryan Braun's return is going to be August 4th or something. Like all of a sudden, just buying tickets, everyone buy, buy, buy. Like it's it's going to be mad money level. Just everyone buy everything (laughs) and just get your tickets. Doesn't matter where it is. Get your tickets to get in the ballpark and. Oh man, that would be a sight to see, and and as you guys are saying, he deserves that that kind of a send off from the fans. That'd be nice. Yeah, so we'll see if it ends up happening. But Ryan Braun um, and and his wife Larissa have really just kind of sparked this whole conversation again uh, with the video that uh, she posted on Instagram. Uh, Braun taking BP. So we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll keep you uh, as always up to date here on the cold brew podcast and at reviewing We'd like to thank uh, Adam rig brew nation uh, for joining us here this week. Adam, thanks so much, man, for uh, hopping on. Always great to talk brewers with you, man. Anytime boys, you got the, well, I guess it's, a, I was going to say you have my number, but it's, a, you have my Skype account. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> yes. Got any time. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can uh, meet up at the ballpark sometime soon and uh, you know, get to know each other in person a little bit, but yeah, hopefully this, there's a lot of opportunity to, cheer on a winning team all summer long because that's that's what makes the summer the best here in milwaukee yep absolutely so uh thank you so much adam uh that'll do it for us this week so for adam rake for matt carroll uh, i'm dave gasper we'll see you next time for another episode of the cold brew podcast